Bitcoiners. I had a great conversation with Justin Rezvani. Justin is absolutely the man, and he is the CEO of the Get Zion Project. Get Zion is a tool, a social media platform that is built directly onto the Lightning Network, and it enables creators to connect directly with their audience and to share and monetize their content in a peer-to-peer and self-sovereign way with their own node. You need a Bitcoin node and Lightning node to get onto the Get Zion platform, and all of your data is hosted onto that node. So it is truly peer-to-peer and self-owned. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation. We talk about everything from the inception of Get Zion all the way to the long-term vision and the impetus for the project. So enjoy this interview with Justin. Bitcoiners, I am sitting right across the screen from Justin Resvani, one of the co-founders of Get Zion and a really awesome builder in the Bitcoin space. Justin, welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. How are you, brother? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. So, Justin, I remember meeting you for the first time in Miami. I was hustling shirts at the Bitcoin Magazine store and you like go up to me and you're like, bro, check out this app. It's like Instagram, but built on the Lightning Network. And you were just showing me your app and I was like, dude, this is cool, but I really don't got time for this right now. So <laughs> since then, you know, we've heard a lot about Get Zion. We've covered some of uh, announcements from you guys in your launch at Bitcoin Magazine. And I'm really excited to, you know, sit down with you and kind of talk about this cool project. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. So I guess, Justin, let's talk about like, you know, your history. You know, you are a successful entrepreneur in the past and now you're getting into Bitcoin. Um, you know, where uh, where did your kind of professional career start? How did you transition into Bitcoin? And uh, when did uh, Get Zion, you know, become a reality? So basically, I started my career right after college. I, uh, I had a job for all of six months and I was working selling banner ads at an ad network. And then um, Instagram gets bought by Facebook for a billion dollars in 2012. And I was saying to myself, is there a better way for the creators in this app to talk to each other and to particularly to talk to brands? So at the time, there was no app that connected a brand to an influencer that was available on the app store. And this is in 2013. So I decided to build an app. Uh, The app was called Reach. The company was the Amplify. We ended up being one of the first ways that creators could connect with brands in a seamless way, right? It was was supposed to be be this like kind of decentralized connecting creators and and, and audiences and brands together. Um, The company grew. I ended up selling the company in 2016. I stayed on the board through the end of 2019. And then I had a bit of a, I had a kind of a traumatic brain injury. I had a kind of tumor in my right temporal lobe. I ended up getting brain surgery in early 2020 and uh, took about a year off, about 10 months off. And then that's right when I got stuck into Bitcoin and lightning. That was the end of basically September of 2020, about 10 months after my brain surgery, I started building Zion. Okay. So uh, you're going to have to tell me a little bit more about what, what happened with your health. You know, how did you discover a tumor? Like what was your mental state kind of going through that? Um, yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's huge. It, it was, it was, a, it was actually a really interesting story because that's how it's kind of led me into Bitcoin in some, some weird odd way. So 
Um, I was really overweight running my company at my peak weight. I was 240 pounds. And so I decided, said, you know what? When I met you, you're a thin guy, (laughs) tall and skinny. (laughs) So I said, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to go do an Ironman, right? So that's what I guess people like me typically do these extreme things. So I ended up losing 70 pounds and I do an Ironman. Um, I did my first full distance race in August of 2019. And then November 20th, 2019, I was sitting in a dentist chair and I passed out and I had a seizure. Um, I got rushed to the hospital. They put me in an MRI machine and they found that I had a cavernoma in my right temporal lobe. Cavernoma is just kind of like a benign, it's like a benign tumor. It's really a a series of blood vessels that exploded inside of my right temporal lobe, which is what caused the seizure. And then um, they have to remove it because it's, it's obviously created this like blood clot inside of my brain. And so I waited six weeks, January, 2020, I had brain surgery, had it removed. And then that changed my life. It, it changed my entire track of how I thought about life. And um, that's why I'm, I'm working on what I arguably think is a really tough project. But I think I'm working on a project that really revolves around the core beliefs that I have and Bitcoin's core beliefs of permissionless, open source, global, censorship resistant, decentralized. Everything about my life up until this point revolved around the same ethos as, a, as Bitcoin. That's why I feel so tied to building this as a Bitcoin company, not any of these other kind of chains that we were kind of discussing right before this call. Um, do you feel like your, like your mental physiology changed because of that experience and like, you know, the surgery and that kind of stuff? Like, I, I guess like brain surgery is kind of a, a unique beast just because, you know, it touches like kind of you know, your brain is you, right? Absolutely. And I think that, so this is the spiritual side of this conversation is that when I had my seizure, I had this experience where I like left my body. I like went into the light and like left my body for 10 minutes. I passed out for 10 minutes and I woke up and I was pale white and sweating. The doctor thought I just passed out, but I had a seizure. I think I hopped a different timeline and came into a different timeline and started to build this business as a result of that timeline. So um, I, I do believe it was one of the most life-changing things because imagine like you're in a peak state of health, right? You do an Ironman, you're pretty in good health when you can do an Ironman. And then that happened to me and it just, it changed everything about how I thought about life. And I was somewhat not working at the time. I was like, you know what? I sold my company. I'm going to take some time off. And, and then I got thrown into this project and I'm so grateful for it, mostly because of the community and, and mostly because what Bitcoin actually is for the world and what it's going to be for the future and not just for the future of creators, but the ethos of what it provides for people all around the world. So uh, how did you discover Bitcoin? Was that before, did you know about Bitcoin before your, uh, your, uh, your seizure or yeah. like, yeah, I guess oh. what happened? So, so when I sold my company, I bought Bitcoin. Um, that was in 2016. But I never understood Bitcoin, the network. I always understood Bitcoin as an asset. Uh, so this time last, uh, no, no, about September last year, September 2020, um, I have a friend, not going to disclose his name, but he's an investor in Lightning Labs. He's an investor in Voltage. He's an investor in Sphinx Chat. Um, basically said, I said, hey, I want to go build something for creators. I want to go build an app that could connect creators and their audiences directly and something that won't be turned off, something that cannot be turned off once it's turned on and um, that they can develop a direct relationship monetarily. And so 
he introduced me to Lightning. He said, well, there's this thing called the Lightning Network. It's built on Bitcoin and this might be able to do it for you. And then furthermore, introduced me to Sphinx and Paul and that entire team over at Sphinx. And so what we conjured up this time last year, and this is a conjuring of not just myself, this was a conjuring of the Sphinx team, this was a conjuring of Paul, was if we were to develop an application using some of the underlying infrastructure of Sphinx, but used it in a different way, used it as a focus, like an Instagram style application for creators to, to monetize their audience directly, what would that look like? So we spent the first three months together, Paul, the Sphinx team, and my team, and we actually developed, co-developed this application together, which ended up morphing into Zion a year later. And it started from this idea of saying, okay, if we can build two interoperable apps onto the Lightning Network, one would be called Sphinx Chat, the other one would be called Zion, and they could communicate, but they do two very different things. What would that look like? And that's how the inception of Zion was created. We were, you know, the, the Sphinx team was our development team for the first three months of this project, which is why we're interoperable with them. But that's how the beginning of my journey started was to understand these types of things available in Lightning. So, I mean, like, uh, I know Paul and uh, I know that there was like a little bit of like drama around like when you launched uh, Get Zion, like saying first social media app on Lightning, you know, people were a little upset about that and wanted, you know, like Sphinx was first or all this kind of stuff. Can you like clarify a little bit, like exactly the relationship with Sphinx? Uh, my understanding is like Sphinx was in the works, um, you know, uh, your team or you uh, approached Paul because you're interested in uh, in the tech and uh, at some point uh, you forked and used their code base obviously and and kind of you know continued to build towards your vision like uh, you know I guess what what did those conversations kind of look like um, you know would you say that you know it's, it's you just forked their projects and kept going like um, yeah how would you characterize uh, working with Sphinx? Absolutely. So, so to be very clear, this, this wasn't a something that we did on our own. So, you know, I approached Paul and Paul actually approached me and, and we had three months of development together. And this idea of forking Sphinx was actually an idea from Sphinx. Uh, we have legal contracts, we have documentation, we have emails um, from Paul himself that said, hey, you're, we're going to build this for you. They, they were actually the team that began the process. Um, and then in February, after three months of working together, Paul had to focus on his own efforts. And that was great. They said, hey, here's the project. Just continue what we started with this forked code and push it on your own and keep going. And this is how it should be. And that was always the plan. That's the thing. I don't think people realize like, it's not that we forked the code. This was the plan from the beginning from Paul and, and from everyone that was involved. And that's why we have paperwork. We have legal contracts. We have everything like across the board was kind of above board. And yes, I think at the beginning, we, I did own that actually. I, I found out that saying we were the first social network, I think was a little bit off. And, you know, some people gave us good feedback and we changed it. We just said, we are a social network on Bitcoin, not the first. And I was always under the impression that Sphinx was a chat app and we're not just a chat app. We're a little bit more than that. So that's where it all started. Um, and that's something that I've been very transparent about. I think from the beginning, that's why you go to all of our open source code docs. It always says this piece was forked from Sphinx in this way. Um, but the idea of this came from their team. 
This wasn't something that I pursued and say, hey, I want to fork your code. This was, hey, you should fork our code and go build the influencer version of this application. And that's where we are today. And, you know, if I'm always happy to have that discussion of transparency. But I think the point, the point being is that our company is focused on the same core beliefs as Bitcoin, right? When I started this project, I had a lot of options. I could have done this thing in 20 different ways. I could have done it on Ethereum. I could have done it because I, I had this idea that I wanted creators to have a direct one-to-one -one relationship with their audiences. And, but I chose Bitcoin because of specific reasons. I chose Bitcoin because of the permissionless nature, because it's open source, because it's global, because it's censorship resistant, because it's decentralized. And to go back to the, the Sphinx point, and I think what's really important is that we did exactly what the idea was that we put together in November and December of 2020, right? Like there was a meeting for three days here in Austin with all of us in a room and we planned this for a year and said, this is what we're building together. And we've just executed that. In, and I think in a really great way, I think we've executed together as a team in a beautiful way. And we're technically not working together anymore, but we, su we support them in so as much as we can. And I believe they support us in the way that we can. Cool. I mean, like, again, uh, you know, it's great to hear your perspective. You know, all I kind of see is like chirping on Twitter. So, you know, you can, yeah, you have to take all of that with kind of a grain yeah. of salt and it's always yeah. better to just have conversations. Um, the truth is the truth, right? I think, I think there's a lot of people that will take things like, oh, they just copied this and they didn't do any, when they don't actually know that they were our development team for the first three months of this project. That's the truth. And there's not just like, there's truth and there's documentation and there's lawyers and there's all these people involved in it. So that's the truth of the situation. I mean, and, and even, okay, even if they weren't the development team, there's kind of the nature of like, you make something open source. So people can fork the project, iterate the project, contribute to the project. So like, you know, I, I feel like some people kind of get hung up on like, oh, you didn't work on this, like, therefore you're a grifter. Like, y'all, like the whole point of, of, uh, of, of open source is that it is in the public domain for people to use. Yeah, and I think the, 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 the thinking has to change around this whole industry in the sense of like, we're not building another walled garden. This isn't just an app. This is not another, you know, this is not just another walled garden where it's like Facebook versus Twitter. We're building an ecosystem onto the Lightning Network. This is a fundamentally different architecture than the general internet. The more people that we bring onto the Lightning Network, the better it is for Bitcoin. And we have this interoperability between these two applications. I think it's a beautiful thing. Where, like, what applications right now available on the internet? Can you take a pub key, the same exact pub key? and message people across two different applications. So like, if you sent me your Sphinx pub key, I can message you from Zion to Sphinx. To me, that's an amazing thing to be able to do. And that's what I mean. It's like not another walled garden. It's a completely new type of project. And that's the reason that we'll always continue to be open source to build these types of tools together. I mean, again, like, I think the that's the beautiful thing about the new internet, right? Is like, uh, it seems like on the, uh, the legacy internet, um, and you know, the, the internet giants, right? It's something that you're obviously trying to create an alternative to, but really is about a, a wall, you know, it was a walled garden approach because that's the only way to capture value on the internet kind of is put people in the walled garden, find a way to monetize through whatever marketing. 
Um, but now like you actually have a value token and you don't necessarily, you actually want to open up. You want the liquidity, you want to like be interoperable. Can you talk a little bit about like the incentives that you see kind of like forming on a internet based off of Bitcoin and lightning versus kind of, uh, you know, what was present within, uh, you know, the, the legacy social media and, you know, Google, Apple, Facebook kind of, uh, situation. I think the opportunity to be able to flip the stack is the most important part of the development process. So traditional tech stacks are typically built on a database application and then monetary layer at the top. So they first build, okay, what are we building? Then here's our app. And then this is how we're going to make money. The new type of internet, the new types of apps being built on the lightning network, an example of, you know, Sphinx and us is like you build on top of a monetary layer, then you build an application layer on top of a monetary layer. And the opportunities of what you can do in that type of environment changes completely. The dynamics can change completely. The incentives can change completely. And finally, you're able to build a more cohesive relationship between creators and their audiences. I think what's been so wrong in the walled garden model and you know the traditional social media model is that you have creators that have built mansions in someone else's backyard with no rental agreement whatsoever. And in the new world, in the new paradigm, we're able to help creators develop one-to-one relationships with their audiences without anyone in the middle. Because the monetary layer is actually through Lightning. It's through Bitcoin. It's through this, basically this HGLC that's sending a contract, a smart contract of monetary value between these two individuals with no one in the middle. And even if we look at the direct support platforms, there's like 10 layers of arbiters in the middle of all these relationships. Like let's compare it like Patreon. One's the, the biggest one you have credit card, credit card processor, credit card site, bank, like all of these different people in the middle to get the payment all the way to the end where lightning and Bitcoin bifurcates all of that. Yo, what is going on, plebs? We're going to take a break from our programming to tell you about the resurrection of our print magazine, starting with the El Salvador issue. Starting this fall, Bitcoin Magazine will be available on newsstands nationwide and at retail stores such as Barnes & Noble. Don't want to get off your couch, though? No problem. You can also go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. So skip the line and get each issue shipped directly to your front door with our annual subscription. I'm talking four issues a year that contain exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, along with powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Subscribe today and get 21% off using code podcast at checkout. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast at checkout. The world of crypto can seem like the Wild West sometimes. Soaring highs, crashing lows, celebrity shills, and new coins popping up seemingly out of nowhere every day. Look, we get it because we've been there before. At Bitcoin Magazine, we aim to filter out the noise and help newcomers concentrate on the signal. That's why we focus on Bitcoin only. Learning about Bitcoin may seem intimidating at first, but we've worked hard to break things down in a simple and digestible format that anyone can understand. Bitcoin Magazine has launched a free 21-day email course that teaches you about the fundamentals of Bitcoin. You'll receive one new lesson each day that covers a brand new topic as we guide you down the Bitcoin rabbit hole with quick and easy 3-5 to minute reads. Not only do you get the free course, but everyone who completes the quiz at the end will earn some free Bitcoin. Start learning and earning Bitcoin today. 
Visit b.tc forward slash 21 days to enroll. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a big deal. And I, I really like that analogy of uh, building mansions in someone else's backyard without even, uh, you know, a rental or, or some sort of agreement to protect them, which is you're seeing, you know, people with huge accounts, and it's a huge part of, uh, you know, their livelihood and, uh, and business, uh, they get canceled, right? And they get everything taken away, the mansion gets taken away, right? Um, and that's a problem, right? Because that prevents people from speaking their mind, speaking the truth, uh, you know, speak, you know, uh, speaking up against uh, the majority or speaking against power, which is, you know, throughout history has been shown to be necessary uh, in the advancement of mankind and, and, you know, the, uh, yeah, I guess just making the world a better place. So I guess, can you talk a little bit more about maybe like just the higher, the higher vision, right? Like why, you know, why do you need to fight kind of the existing structure and why do we need to build something better? I think censorship is one of the most challenging things that we're dealing with as society. And the idea that we should restrict someone's speech for a particular narrative is, is I think tearing at the fundamental fabric of society. And our goal is to defeat censorship. If, if we're looking at, so I think one lens that I love to think about is that if we're all listening to this podcast in five years, censorship in our world doesn't exist at all. It's something that we talk about. It's like, oh, that's something that happened in 2021, but we, it doesn't exist anymore. Because right now we're dealing with so many levels of not just financial censorship, or we're dealing with messaging censorship. And even like creators that are speaking the truth can't share what they really want to share because of the fear of them disappearing off the face of the internet. And we know that the risk is very real, right? And this is an important point, regardless of your politics, if a current standing president of the United States can disappear off the face of the internet overnight, there's clearly a problem. There's clearly a problem within that. And when President Trump was deleted off everything off the face of the internet, never allowed back, that showed that there's definitely an issue with what's happening in regards to big tech. And I think the business models are broken because they're fundamentally designed to keep you addicted and manipulate you. Um, their company is designed to just keep you on there as long as possible. It's negligent of our mental health. I think all of these things can be solved if you change the business model. And I think that's what we want to pursue and what we're building with Zion is we're changing the business model where the monetization efforts of the business are not relying on keeping you addicted to the, the uh, utility itself, that the business models are predicated on the customers and the members value that they provide, and then self-hosting the data that they want to have. So I guess fixing the business model is important, right? Um, how does like, where does Zion kind of fit into the ownership of this network, right? And how, and, and I guess like, how do users interact with it, like on a fundamental level, if that makes sense, right? Because like, are, are you like, users are running a Bitcoin node and Lightning node, um, but like, where, where does kind of Zion fit into, um, you know, the whole network coming together? Yeah, so, so what we, there, there's, there's, the way that we're providing value for customers at this point is that we are provisioning them to have their own full lightning node. 
And then with that provision, they have a relay that is attached to that node, software that's installed to that node. And then the second piece is that there's a channel that's also open between that node and our main routing node. Right now we have four main routing nodes that allow with one connection, with one channel connection, allows you to reach almost 18,000 nodes in the Lightning Network with a single hop with our routing node. So the values that we're providing is allowing people to onboard in a non-custodial manner very quickly. And I think that's what's really important is that each individual person has their own private keys. They manage their own private keys. We have no access to that information. Um, also, their data, the messages that they're using, the messages that they're sending between their friends or their messages that they're receiving inside of the communities with this creator are stored on a database onto that lightning node. It's not stored in any sort of central database. And then they use their private keys to encrypt and decrypt that data on that specific database inside of the individual node. So right now we have 1400 nodes that are running on the network. That's 1400 individual databases that are sitting on individual nodes that are not accessed by any sort of central server that we have. And then there's this open source protocol that allows messaging between all of these nodes. So I think that's the, that's the difference, right? Is that Facebook and Twitter have one central database. Maybe they have many redundancies of that central database, but it's centralized in that sense. Whereas this is decentralized in the sense that the data sits on the individual nodes. And then we use Lightning and KeySend to move payments across that protocol as well. Okay, that makes sense. Um, in terms of like, you know, so you're working with Get Voltage and people can, can you know, get a node on get voltage if i you know i have a noddle here if i wanted to get onto get time is there a way to use my self-hosted noddle to get Absolutely. on you know, to do it yeah i guess yeah, i mean so so we have our relay and we have our self-hosted sandbox so we don't have you can go and download our relay put it onto your node open a channel and you're off to the races that's that's the point of why we had our open source code available we haven't launched all the, the super easy ways to do it. So we're, we're gonna be on Umbral eventually. It's just that our, priority, our priorities early on was to make sure the infrastructure can handle people, right? So that's why we started with 350 nodes. Then the next month we went to 700 nodes. Now we're at 1400 nodes. By the end of this month, we'll be at 2000. We're slowly scaling because we we're, we're, we're constraining things in ways that haven't been done before. We're really pushing the boundaries of how these systems work. So. It is supported today. Um, you can go to our GitHub, github.com slash getzion, download the relay, open the Docker file, put it on your noddle, and then you're off to the races. That's is it awesome. Easy? Is it easy? Probably not. I haven't done it. I don't know how to do it, but it's available. That's the point is that we, we want to provide the tools and make it available for everyone. I mean, that again, that makes sense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, I, I can imagine that, uh, you know, having the uptime on there in order to have your presence on social media be as consistent as possible is probably difficult to do with, uh, you know, a, a small self-hosted ra Raspberry Pi node. But, uh, you know, maybe we'll see even more performant nodes into the future as more and more in the decentralized stack kind of get built out. I want to talk to you about like details and lightning and like the protocol itself. But before uh you know getting into that i kind of want to talk about this idea of like you know i have this idea in my mind right so in the altcoin world 
there's this idea of like, we need to decentralize finance, we need to do all this stuff. And if we build a contract on Ethereum, uh, it's going to be decentralized. And really what Ethereum is, is kind of like a bunch of nodes on 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 uh, cloud service providers, right? For the most part, it's just a bunch of nodes on cloud service providers. So it kind of strings together all these cloud service providers. But I feel like Bitcoin on a fundamental level is actually the the driving catalyst in the personal server revolution it's actually going to be decentralizing the internet by creating the incentives for people to run their own stuff and to set up their own you know node or jumping onto a, a cloud service provider to do something uh you know regarding their node but it's that incentive for people to actually kind of run an instance of software on their own machine that they have control over um, and it's really like a new level of kind of decentralization. I feel like mining is a big part of that too. And that ties into the electricity, uh, you know, the electricity infrastructure and the power infrastructure globally. Um, but I guess like, what's your like cosmic pie in the sky vision of like what Bitcoin does to internet infrastructure in general? And am I onto something? Am I right? Is Am I kind of uh, on the right angle in terms of your vision? I think you're totally right. And, and my... My thoughts is that just like let's go back like 50 years um, and, you know, Steve Jobs had this vision that every person would have a cell phone in their hand and everyone would have a personal computer. I believe that every individual in some aspect will have and will run some level of a Bitcoin node inside of their house. So I believe that eventually each home will have this uh, vault space inside of their house It'll be a locked vault, but it will there'll be a server inside that locked vault. And inside of that server will be a full Bitcoin node and a lightning node. And that will interact with the entire aspects of the internet. It will store all the personal information of that individuals, and it will also allow them to be able to transact into the world. So I do believe that there is a world where everyone is running a node and everyone's writing a lightning node in particular. And then this is actually their their personal server, right? So we're seeing that a little bit with Umbral. It's like, have your own personal Bitcoin server. But I think with a little bit more power of compute in the future, I think every individual will have that because I think we're moving into this idea of like a decentralized century. So if, if the 20th century was the centralized century, the 21st century is the decentralized century. And the iPhone was the beginning of that process. And I think what people forget is that the iPhone's really only 10 years old, right? Like let's say it's, it started in really 2007, but really the internet that we understand today, the decentralized internet is very early in its, in its inception and its process. So I think we're just at the beginning of this transition to go back to sovereignty, ownership, peer-to-peer, the way the original internet was intended to be. Awesome, yeah, again, I, I, I totally agree. And yeah, I think that max efficiency, globalization, um, that's what, you know, especially the 90s until now, but I feel like, you know, that's obviously peaked. And now, we, you know, especially because of COVID, COVID has catalyzed this, but, you know, we're returning back to maybe less efficient, but more robust supply chains and, you know, kind of the breakdown between previous agreements and reestablishments of new agreements and all this kind of like crazy stuff that's happening geopolitically. Uh, but let's not, yeah, you want to say something about that? No, but I think that's also the the beauty of what Bitcoin is providing for us, right? I think Bitcoin at its core 
It's, and these are the things that attracted me so much to deciding to build my company on Bitcoin and on Lightning in particular was this concept of open source, the concept of permissionless innovation. Who really has ownership when you build something within that network? And this space is just different because for the first time, the people that own the data have the ownership. There's not these walled gardens anymore. It's their node, it's their data. And Bitcoin allows for this. And that's why we're so excited about the protocol in general. I wanna talk about Lightning. Can you tell me about like, what about Lightning is making building apps so much more effective? And like, talk about the evolution just, you know, when you started to now, because Lightning is blowing up. It is, and, and, I, and, I, and I will say, Lightning is still very early. And I, the way I like to compare this, and this is how some of our advisors talk to us about it, is that think about the internet when there was like five websites. Right now we're in that stage where these, these companies that are being built on Lightning are essentially just like the first websites on the internet. And they're using these connections that are kind of like TCP IP connections, but using Lightning to, to be the, the, the proxy. So we're very early in the process, but to me, what attracted me to Lightning and how it works in our app particularly is that if you can send money to another individual without anyone in the middle with very low fees, that to me is a beautiful experience. Because right now on the internet, if you think about most of the applications, there's some sort of centralized ledger, there's some centralized level of control. But with HTLCs, it allows us to break that entirely open. So you can send a photo and get paid for that photo. You can send a video and get paid for that video. You can send a video to, to, to a thousand people and they can all pay you a hundred sats each for that video and then they can see it. To me, that's the brilliance of what the Lightning Network provides and it allows for this incredible scale. The other thing is interoperability, right? So every app that's connected to Lightning is essentially now connected to each other without any sort of code-based relationship. It's just saying, if we're on Lightning, we're all working together no matter what. And I think that's the beauty of an open monetary network where anyone can move any payment. So I'm in Zion. I want to add some funds to my, to my node and to my channel. I can create an invoice and then I can go, okay, I'm going to go to Strike. I'm going to have Strike pay the invoice, route the payment. And now inside of my Zion node, I have sats that came from Strike, or if I want to do it from Breeze, or if I want to do it from Moon, if I want to do it from any of these other wallets, and we have no business relationship with these people. That's the beauty of what an open permissionless network allows for, is that you can send all these things around and no one's in the middle. That's the beauty of this network. And instant final settlement. So Instant um, final settlement. I think... You know, I was talking to a, a journalist who was like, well, Bitcoin's slower than MasterCard and Visa network. And I was like, uh, well, not if you really think about it. You know, Bitcoin Lightning is instant final settlement and Visa is, you know, 90 day final settlement with some strings attached. So um, and like they can the, turn you off and yeah, and they can censor you. Obviously, That's the thing. So. it's like it, it's is that if, if if someone can turn you off at one layer and says, I'm no longer going to do this payment or I'm no longer going to accept this credit card or I'm no longer going to accept this entire company's fees. Right. Like that's that's what was happening with WikiLeaks. Like, oh, we're no longer going to accept these transactions. You can destroy entire businesses overnight. Right. Like the concept of platform risk 
this is like, I, I think this is like a really big case. Like you look at platform risk generally, right? The Canon case study for platform risk is Zynga versus Facebook. Facebook changes one thing in their API. Zynga loses a $10 billion business overnight. Bitcoin has very little platform risk because for something to change in the protocol takes years. It takes years of consensus and says, okay, we're going to change this little thing. But that doesn't happen in Bitcoin. So if you're building businesses, if you're building companies, you want to build something that has longevity. And I think at the end of the day, Bitcoin is the one that's going to win. It, it, it's definitely slower, right? When I was deciding to build this thing, I could have built it on all these other weird blockchains and I could have done it faster. And a bunch of VCs would have probably gave me money. But in the end, it wouldn't have been correct. Bitcoin is the ultimate answer in the end. And Lightning is proxy of Bitcoin. I mean, you know, if I were to, you know, look at that, I would actually argue that you couldn't have done it with another blockchain because no other blockchain has the Lightning Network and no other blockchain um, has the global liquidity and name brand in terms of Bitcoin as money. So if you were to use other stuff, maybe you would get way more funding. But we've seen a lot of companies and startups get tons of, you know, token funding, you yeah. know, huge rounds. And then even if they build a product, no one takes to it because like, the fundamental, their fundamental assessments about can their utility token or whatever be money uh, doesn't take off. You know, obviously we're seeing some different stuff within the Ethereum ecosystem today, but even still, you know, I really question like, is the token anything other than a way to print stuff? To find I agree. Your, I, yeah. I completely agree. That's why my lens has always continued to be Bitcoin is the only answer. Bitcoin is the, is the only answer. And it's, it's, it's very interesting to see the other side of the coin where people have a resistance towards the Lightning Network. It's, it's actually fascinating to me, the amount of VCs that actually say, oh, Lightning would never work. Lightning doesn't work. Lightning can never. It's fascinating how many emails I get. It's like, oh, this is a cool idea, but Lightning will never work. But it's working. It's working for thousands of people. It's working for thousands of transactions a day. It's working. And I think it will scale to millions and millions of transactions a day. Yo, my fellow Bitcoin lovers, have I got something specifically curated for you. The Deep Dive is Bitcoin Magazine's premium markets intelligence newsletter. This isn't some pay group selling buy and sell signals. No, this is a premium Bitcoin analysis led by Dylan LeClaire and his team of analysts. They break down in an easily digestible way what is happening on chain in the derivatives markets and in the greater macro backdrop context for Bitcoin. This newsletter turns volatility into a joke. So hit up members.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code podcast for 30% off the deep dive. That's members.bitcoinmagazine.com promo code podcast for 30% off. Divorce your pay group and learn why Bitcoin is the ultimate asset by Dylan and his team. My fellow plebs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you're a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. Want more off? 
pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history. Well, I would be remiss to uh, to have a person building on Lightning and not talk to them about how Lightning is working in El Salvador. I'm kind of curious, you know, you were in Miami when that announcement was made at Bitcoin 2021. Have you been paying attention to El Salvador? Um, have you been paying attention to what's happening on the Lightning Network since El Salvador went live? Like, give us give us your perspective on on the first nation to adopt Bitcoin. I think it's an incredible a step in the right direction of, of understanding that you can use Bitcoin for regular things. I think what people, even, even when you tried to tell people that you could buy a coffee with Bitcoin, people like that's impossible. It would be too expensive. And people are like, well, what about lightning? And now we're seeing examples of people being able to buy burgers at McDonald's, one of the largest retailers in the world, uh, consumer retailers in the world with just paying a lightning invoice instantly. And I think that's the beauty of what the potential of this category will be. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so honored that this is like, like that I get to be just a little piece in paving the way of what the future of the world looks like. And, you know, the giants that have created this before us is just incredible. I, I'm, I'm just so, it's just so cool to be, you know, part of that in a little way. That's awesome. Well, Hey, uh, Justin, it was great having you onto the podcast. It was great talking about, um, the vision and why building on Zion. Uh, I want to give you a last word before we uh, learn where people can find you. But, you know, if you had one last word for the Bitcoin Magazine audience, what would it be? Thank you. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for being patient and kind of building what I think the future of the internet looks like. And, you know, we just continue to appreciate your support. And, you know, this is what I hope I can do for the rest of my life. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, Bitcoin is all about long-term thinking. So, uh, you know, I feel like builders in the old tech paradigm were all about the exit. And I feel like builders in the Bitcoin paradigm have uh, a little bit of a different vision. I know at Bitcoin Magazine, our CEO never wants to exit, right? He wants to protect the business from outside money as much as possible. So it's a little bit of a, of a different mentality. Uh, Justin, where can people learn more about you? Where can people find you? You know, can they find you on Get Zion? How do they get on to Get Zion? Give them, give them the, the scoop on all those details. Sure. I mean, so our website is getzion.com. The company's called Zion. You can uh, check out our guide. I think our guide is a really informative place to understand everything that we're doing. Uh, if you want to dive into our open source code, github.com slash getzion. And then you could find me on most of the social media apps, Justin Rosvani and I'm happy to help in any way that I can. If I can be more informative of what we want to bring to the world, how we want to support you as a creator, how do we want to support kind of everyone in this community? Because we believe a peer-to-peer -peer internet and peer-to-peer -peer communication is the future and Bitcoin is a proxy to do that. Awesome. Well, hey, again, everyone, check out what they're doing over at Get Zion. I know y'all are frequently hiring too. So we are very active on Bitcoiner jobs and it's awesome to see um, you know, Zion being very active on there as well as, you know, amongst a lot of other great companies, any, any roles out there that you're, uh, you're looking to, to get filled or, you know, we are, what, we're always hiring. So uh, react native, we're looking for a lightning engineer. I'm still looking for my potential CTO that wants to join and come in as a uh, co-founder of this business. 
uh, operations uh, content. We're looking for someone to help run marketing and content and really help kind of JP and I tell this message at scale. I know we didn't even talk about JP that much in this, in this, we, we still could. I mean, uh, JP. Yeah. Hey, yeah. But let's get talk talk about JP real quick. I did an interview with JP that is out by the time this podcast goes out. So listeners, go scroll down in your podcast feed and find the interview with JP if you haven't already listened to it. But yeah, I guess you know I totally forgot. And Justin, tell us about uh, your co-founder, JP Sears. I mean, what an incredible man! So I went to the Bitcoin conference. I came back to Austin. JP and I have been rumming on text and getting together for lunches, but we, and, and so the product was finally ready. And I said, JP, I'm building this. Would you be interested in joining me and let's go build this out together? And, you know, JP is an incredible human, just a funny comedian and creator. And, and, you know, his virtue is always around freedom. He always talks about freedom. And so it just made so much sense that he has an audience of over 5 million people that are listening to him about freedom and sovereignty. And it made so much sense to partner with him and say, hey, let's bring this new type of technology to the world. Let's give people their sovereignty back. Let's get them to own their data. Let's get them to have a direct relationship. And he's been our catapult. He's really been this catapult to help us grow. And you know, it's been great to have him get introduced to Bitcoin because he understood Bitcoin as the asset, but never got to understand lightning and the complexities of the network. So I'm just so honored to have him as a partner in this business. And since JP has joined, it's kind of been our catapult to bring all of our investor pool involved and the people that want to support us and grow this business. And we're so excited about the people supporting the project in general. And a lot of that is on the back of kind of JP and, you know, his push. So it's kind of an interesting world. It's me really looking at the technical side and understanding a little bit more about Lightning. And then he brings the creator side. And you know, I think that's the groundswell is we want to continue to support creators like JP and everyone else is saying, there's a different way. You can build a relationship with your audience in a decentralized manner through a monetary layer called the Lightning Network. And, you know, his, he's been a great catalyst to help us do that. And that's why you go to the guide and a lot of videos are JP videos of explaining how it works and how to get on and how to, you know, so thank you, JP. You're awesome. Well, there you go, guys. Well, hey, I think uh, you got it for everyone out there. They need to check out JP's YouTube channel. He does really, really incredible stuff and find JP over on Zion. I know he's been, like you said, a, a nice catapult to uh, bootstrap uh, like-minded people onto that platform, freedom-minded people. Um, Justin, really great having you. Uh, I'm not going to be in Austin anytime soon, but when I am, uh, I'll be hitting you up and we need to hang out. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to get on Zion myself and, and uh, check it out and play with uh, all, the, all the cool features that you got built in there. I'll be sending you a note today. Don't worry about that. I got you. All right, let's go. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so um, much. All right, well, time. yeah, absolutely. And the, hey, to the Bitcoiners out there, follow Justin, follow me at CK underscore snarks. Go follow Bitcoin Magazine at Bitcoin Magazine and bitcoinmagazine.com cop a copy of our bitcoin magazine in print the el salvador edition we'll be shipping them next month and uh yeah see you later peace yep.